the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for joining us today for On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rhody Fisher. As a Christian mom for over 40 years and a teacher of the Bible in public schools for 25 years, Rhody will take you on a journey with some of her friends as they share their experiences and testimonies from their walk with Christ. You'll see that you are not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Now, here's your host, Rhody Fisher. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. My name is Rhody Fisher, and I'll be your host today. And let's pray. So, Father God, we thank you for today. We praise you for bringing us here today to hear what you would want us to speak on. Father, I pray for open ears to hear, and I pray that you would let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be pleasing to you. Lord, be with Tony as he's running the camera and Mike as he's giving us direction and Joe um, as he gives his testimony and shares his heart out. And as for me, I pray that you would lead me as well. So we give this day to you. We give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, now, as you recall, we're going to be in Psalm 29, and let me read it from the New King James. And I'd like to get right to our speaker so I might not be making too much commentary on on the um, the psalm, but it is another psalm written by David. David has written over 70 psalms, as I've said before, and this is another one of his psalms. It's a praise to God. So a psalm of David, give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones, give unto the Lord glory and strength, give unto the Lord glory due to his name, worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord splinters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes them also skip like a calf. Lebanon and Syria, Syrian, like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord divides flames of water. I'm sorry. The voice of the Lord divides flames of of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The voice of the Lord shakes wilderness of the, of Kaddish. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth. The stripes, the forest bear and his temple. Everyone says glory. The Lord sat enthroned at the flood, and the Lord sits as king forever. The Lord will give his strength to his people, and the Lord will bless his people with peace. Yes, we're called to peace, everyone. Thank you for your word, Lord. We pray that you would give us understanding of your word. I would love to introduce my speaker today, my guest speaker today. Um, his name is Joe. And let me get this straight. Guyon. No, Guyona. Yes. Guyona. Right. Yes. Is it Guyona or Gayona? It's Gaona. Gaona. Yeah. 
Okay. I'm sorry. I no, messed that good. up. That's good. Welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Now, I understand that you have a ministry going on here, but first I'd like to get you um, to share a little bit about your background for the people that, you know, don't know you. Yeah. What I'd like for you to share is, you know, where you were born, the house that you grew up in, maybe how many sisters and brothers you have. Did you go to church at all? Um, were you in a Christian family? Um, start from there. All right. So, yeah, um, being raised up, uh, I remember being born in Fresno area, but quickly, around two years old, we went to Ontario here in Southern California. And then uh, by the time I was, my parents, well, especially my mom's side, practice, uh, they were Catholics. They're, they're, they didn't really practice it, but they believed they were Catholics. But um, as we grew up, they eventually, I was about 10 or 12 years old, we moved to San Francisco area. And it's there that they, um, they got into a group called Seven Day Adventists. Mm-hmm. So we learned to be very legalistic. We would all stop playing on Friday at sundown. And we would just do anything they had to do with God. And uh, come Saturday, when the sun went down again, we were off playing. But uh, it was very strict uh, what we ate, what we drank. And uh, so we grew up knowing about legalistic system, though we didn't think about it much. We just kind of lived that style. Um, And so I had five... Uh, we had five kids all together. I was the youngest of them all. Uh, three, you know, three boys and two girls. So it was a, quite a big family. I was being dragged around everywhere. Had to grow up fast. Um, so we were raised up in a private school. So we always had religion wherever we were growing up. Uh, mm-hmm. But I can see that when I'm in between my sixth and seventh uh summer that I started to lose track of anything about the things of God. And by eighth grade, ninth grade, I was already getting into trouble. And uh, I really didn't even think, I well, let, let me backtrack here. You know, sixth grade or fifth grade even, I did get baptized. I got baptized. You know, I, I said the Lord's Prayer. And uh, so here we come in eighth grade, and now I'm getting into more trouble Okay, I'd like to stop you just for a second. Would you tell me, um, you said you got baptized. What church was that you got baptized at? Not the exact church, but what what background was that? Was yeah. it in the Catholic Church no. or in the Seventh-day Adventist Church? Right, it, it was the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Yeah. Okay, so is there an acceptance of Jesus as your Savior with that religion? I don't know very much about yes. it. Yes, it's basically the same as Protestant. You know, you, you identify that you don't go to any classes or anything. You just identify that you want Jesus in your heart, you know, as a 12, as a 10-year-old or 9-year-old, and you want Jesus in your heart, and, and you come Confess that, and then they, you know, they dunk you in water, and and of course, you know, we'd have once a month we'd wash our feet. So you'd take a partner with you, and you'd go into a area where they would you would you wash take each their, other's feet. Yeah, you would take the socks off. And you had a bowl of water, and you'd wash each other. So you you had all these uh, um, sacraments going on that you would do. But no, you didn't. You just had to confess that Jesus Christ was Lord, and then uh, from there you just went on. So I don't remember. I don't remember anything of value about it, but that I just did it 
because that was part of what I was living at the time. So I didn't have no recognition of thinking Jesus was this Lord that I was going to follow, the captain of my ship or something, or that he even died for me. Those things weren't there. It was just that I was confessing him as my Lord and I was going to church. And I just grew up a lot in a different in church. And so, um, you know, even, you know, if I backtrack before that, it's kind of funny because being being raised with uh, my mom, she would have these little crosses all over the windows and stuff. And and she would got into some traditions of even from um, the Mex- Mexican traditions where she would have an egg and she would be praying over me, seeing a Hail Mary full of grace. But it would be a, 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 a an egg that she'd be praying crosses over us. We thought it was just something cute growing up. But come to find out, these were some of the traditions in Mexico that they would have that she took And part of the Catholic Church? Yes. yes okay. Yeah. Interesting. Now, is there a time that you get serious about Christ and, and really start to follow Him? Right. So what happens is... Uh, I really, you know, about 14 years old, I asked Jesus Christ into my life again. So I was in a youth group. I was now going to an evangelical church. And I asked Jesus Christ into my life for about a year. It seemed like I was walking the straight and narrow. And then um, all of a sudden I find myself taking a step towards sin, getting into drugs, getting into drinking, getting into women, uh, girls at the time. And um, I found myself just after, you know, nine or ten months, just completely away from the things of God. So the time I was 18... I knew I didn't have the Lord as my savior. I knew I wasn't saved. You were you weren't walking with him. Yeah, right. He might have been watching over you, but you weren't walking with him. That's right. You weren't a follower of Jesus. So there there comes a time that you do get serious about him? Yeah, so by the time I was so I had my I had a, my son when I was uh, 18 years old. So I got his, uh, we had his, his mom was 17 at the time. We stayed together for about a year and a half and then, uh, we split up. But, um, it was during that time I kind of waved my fist at God. And so here I am getting, you know, I, I gave my life to God at 16 again, but at 18, I find myself cause he didn't answer some prayers and, uh, Actually, they were hard prayers. I I wanted my son to live with me, and I was fighting for him to live with me. And uh, and uh, it, we went to court, and they didn't give me him. And I thought, well, God, you know, I thought you're going to give me whatever I wanted, as long as you know, here I am, the Christian now, and and his mom uh, is doing things that aren't right, considered right. And so you should have gave him to me. I don't understand that. And so I I kind of waved my I, not kind of I did I waved my face fist at him. And said I would never do it again at 18 years old. I would never come to Christ again. And I would, from there, I was on to the races. Harder than ever, I went out even harder uh, to do whatever I wanted to do. Um, so, so now you're backslidden. Yeah, I'll just use that term. And and you're you're angry at God because He didn't answer your prayers. I know we sometimes think of God as Santa Claus, right? You know, we give him the wish list and then we expect that we're going to get to open those presents. But it doesn't happen the way you think it's going to happen because his ways are not necessarily our ways. But I do think that if you made a commitment to Christ, that commitment, even though you might be in a backslidden situation, unless you never knew him, he's still with you. You might have given up on him, but he hasn't given up on you. 
So when do you realize that he hasn't given up on you? Right. So, you know, I mean, if I look back 20 years from uh, 20 years ago, when I got saved at 24 and then 25, and I start to learn what the Bible talked about salvation, I realized I wasn't repenting at that time at 18, 16, 17, 18, all the way until 24, um, because that's when I really took hold of the plow, asked Jesus Christ as Lord. But the difference there is that now that I look back, I realize that I was practicing sin. I wasn't asking for forgiveness. So I don't, I, though I believe God was hounding me, I don't believe I was saved at that point. Some people do say. I would agree. Yeah, I would agree. Some people will say, you know, there are those who will say, well, maybe you were just backslidden. And I say, no, as if I'm practicing sin, don't be deceived, it tells us in 1 Corinthians 6, mm-hmm. uh, that if you're practicing these, these sinful things, uh, don't be deceived. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. Right. And so I wasn't even repenting of anything that I was doing. What was neat about this, though, is that 24 years old, um, I usually stayed up till two or three in the morning, go to work at six, come back home, drinking during the day, at least two or three beers. And so that was just what I was doing, even going harder towards sin. Uh, I came home one day, a cigarette in my hand, and I'm walking through the kitchen. And I remember, and this is where I get saved. I remember just throwing my last cigarette, not knowing it was going to be my last cigarette. So I, you know, I've pretty much been doing drugs since I was 14 years old, drinking really? and doing drugs, uh, mostly in it. Then once in a while stopped when I thought I got saved. 24 years old, um, I'm walking through my kitchen and I just remember going to my knees and I remember it was a split three seconds that I go to my knees and I say, Lord, I need you. And I stood back up and you got to see that it just happened in three seconds. I went very quickly. I get up and I'm looking around and everything seems peaceful. I don't really know what went on at that point, but I go to sleep at about 10 o'clock that night for the first time in about five years. I wake up in the morning, go to church. I'm going to work for the whole day, come back home. And as I'm getting back home, it dawns on me. I didn't have a beer today. I haven't smoked any cigarettes. And it dawned on me that I don't feel like doing anything. I don't even feel like doing drugs at this point. And I grab my Bible that was pretty dusty at the time as I get back into the house. And I start to read and I sat there for six hours and I just read and read and I was just eating up the Bible. Yeah. And that, that happened for the next, I mean, that went on ever since that point on. But what happened that day is, is that he took everything away, everything that I have ever, ever sinned in, all my lust, all my drugs and alcohol, that hour, that three seconds, whatever happened, he had took it all away. Of course, I put my hands to the plow and never looked back. And I said, no, I'm not going back there. And I just kept, you know, I was going to inside. I, I could find any Bible study I could find seven days a week, just going into Bible studies and stuff. But to me, it was neat because the first two times I saw Joe wanting to get saved and didn't never come to pass. 24, I find sovereignly God just takes me to my knees and I just say, I need you. And it just changed my life completely. And the transforming like the, the, the man on the cross, the thief on the cross, you wouldn't know by my words that something took place within my life inside that I was a changed man. You know? Yeah, but God sees your heart and God saw the heart of the man on the cross next to him. Uh, Jesus didn't stop and say, well, wait a minute, before you take your last breath, we need to get you to say the sinner's prayer. He knows. He sees the heart change. 
and he sees the heart change with you the second you went down to your knees. That's a beautiful story. What a tremendous God we serve. Thank you for sharing that. Now, now that you're walking with the Lord, now, are you married at this time? No, no, I'm not. Okay, so you're walking with the Lord. You're going to every Bible study you can find within a radius right. of a mile or whatever it is, and you're uh, you're on it. You're all in. Right. And so do you begin to want to serve him? Do you start looking for ministries that, that you think he's calling you to? Yeah, I actually went to church. I'm going to all these Bible studies asking, what do you need help on? What do you need me to do? I'm studying six, seven hours a day. My whole paycheck, I'm going. Back then, we didn't have computers. So I took my whole, you know, $1,000 and and went to the bookstore and sat there and just bought books after commentaries after commentaries. And and that was pretty much my life. Um, And then I did. I got into, you know, someone finally said, hey, can you, I can't make it to my Bible study. Can you teach this day? And and I thought, wow, that must be from God. So, you know, of course, I'm diving into the scriptures even harder. And, uh, you know, of course, back then I thought I knew everything. But the the more you get into Christ, you realize I, I didn't really know nothing. But it was something that I just wanted to run after the things of God. Yes. But uh, he took hold of that. And I found myself in every in the next 15 years, I went from, you know, from just throwing down tables, throwing down chairs, being a, a, a elementary director at the church to being a worship leader to being associate pastor so i went through everything in church because this is my home now church yes. is in my home so we did that for about 15 years and then i met stacy my wife met her at church waited seven years we made sure we had a relationship i was very panicked about my first situation when I was 18 years old, so I got to know her real good, and about seven years went by, and we finally got married. And so we've been married for now 25 years. Our kids are growing up. We have uh, three kids, and so wow. uh, two that are from her, and then one from my son when when he was when I was younger. But um, it wasn't but 15 years ago. Um, it was on a Sunday, and I remember it so well that God says, "Joe, when are you going to get outside the church?" And I thought. I didn't even understand that because every all my whole life was based on the church. I did everything in the church. And when he said, when are you going to get out of the church? You're so complacent. I thought, what does that mean? I mean, they have events. They have things coming to the church. I participate. I do what I got to do. I realized at that point that God wants me to go witness outside the church to strangers that I don't know. Here I am comfortable where I'm at. I pictured it now as these walls, this castle that I was used to being into. And now God is saying, open that castle door and go out there to the strangers abroad. And I'm going, no, I think I'm doing it in here. He goes, no, I don't want you in here. Yeah, Yeah, keep on doing what you're doing. But I need you outside. So that Monday morning, I got in my car. I drove into a parking lot, a Vaughn's parking lot. I said, I'm going to go talk to two people about the things of God. Now, I've never done that before. I mean, people were in line maybe, you know, six times out of the year. And I talked to them, hey, where do you go to church? What are you doing? But to actually sit there and say, I'm going to actually give you the gospel message. I've never done that to strangers. So here I am parking my car and I'm walking and I feel like this lion walking through because I thought I knew a lot now because, you know, I've already been associate pastor. I've been a director of the kids, the youth department. And and so 
I thought I, and I've been studying a lot. I was into apologetics, but not a whole lot, but I was still into just confirming God's word, putting sword on sword and trying to figure it out. So I get out there and for the first time as I'm walking, I'm looking for someone that I can talk to. The first two guys I come up to were stout atheists. I've never talked to a stout atheist in those 15 years Whoa. as a Christian. I talked to people who were atheists or skeptics who came to the church. And by that meaning, they, they didn't mind having a conversation. But when they begin to ask me these scientific questions and I didn't have no answer how to get to a justifiable answer, I can tell them what I believe. I can tell them my God, but I see it, it just hit a brick wall. Mm-hmm. And I said, man, and I went home defeated. I mean, I thought I'm never coming out here again. This is, this was, this Hard. was the worst. This yeah. was the worst I've ever felt. And I'm talking to anyone in the, in the 15 years of ministry, being these two stout uh, atheists who had answers for what they believed in. And I didn't know how to justify my Christian answer. Um, I went, I just went down and out that night and I woke up in the morning. I said, Oh, I better go out there again. So I got up there and I went back out there again. Someone asked a few questions. I went back home, studied those questions. And every question that someone asked me, I started wanting to know the answer to that question. So lo and behold, you know, the years are going by now. And I got, you know, we have in San Diego, this is where I'm from. This is where I've been for the last 20 years. So San Diego County, they have seven uh, malls there. I learned how to get into the malls and and we, you know, six or seven hours a week, we'd be in the malls and uh, we'd just be given the gospel message. So when you say we go into the malls, is it a team of you from church or family members or how is this working? So first to start out. I was going, my wife says, well, I'm going to go with you. (laughs) So from that point on, it was interesting because she's always been a part of my ministries. And somehow, you know how the wife's always part of it. Well, you know, I've met a lot of men going out and giving the gospel message out in the street. And a lot of them don't have their wives with them. She always wanted to be a part of it. And so she always came. And so it was first just me and her. And it was so hard to figure out how to find the fish out there because mm-hmm. I was I was used to saying, Lord, bring someone to me. Right. And I found out it's no, if you're going to go fishing, you go look for a place where the best, you don't go where the worst fish are. You're going to go where the good fish are mm-hmm. at, right? Where there's pl- plenty of bites. So I began to find those areas and the malls was one of them. And I found out I can get into the malls. So then, then me and my wife, pretty soon we had three or four, then five or six, then eight or nine. And we had just had a group of people that would go out all the time during the week. And I knew every part of San Diego where we can go and, um, and talk to the people. And, and then I hooked up with uh, Living Waters as a captain of their team. Really? Yeah. And so, so you're, you're, you, you're talking about the Bible, the Living Waters that they hand out, or the the church. The, I'm talking about a Ray Comfort with Ray, Living Ray Waters. Ray Comfort. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I ended up h- h- hooking up with Living Waters with Ray Comfort. Uh, of course, they do the good person test, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, we ended up being getting very close to them. So the next 15 years, I found myself. By the end of this 15 years, I found myself walking into college campuses and just walking and saying. I'm walking, there's people, kids, students walking, and I say, hey, I believe God, I believe Christianity is intellectual. I believe we have good answers. What do you believe in? And as soon as you ask that question, I realize they want to talk about it. It would be me or one or two guys. Sometimes it'd be me and 15, 20 guys, and we'd all just on the college campuses talking about the things of God. And I realize. So you graduate from the mall and you, you yourself are going 
into the it's colleges. College campuses, yeah, yeah. And we'd go Cal all State. over the streets anytime the streets, you know, we knew uh, in San Diego, it's quite busy. We couldn't even get out of San Diego. There was so much going on. They would have tent blocks open every weekend where they'd block off the city in every city and people would go out there. And so me and my wife and a few others, every weekend we went out there and we'd just give the gospel message to them. And so... Um, it was something that we, uh, you know, you meet a lot, you meet a lot, that's where we learned that the youth today didn't have justifiable answers. And every time I tried to talk to the youth, that means the high school student, the parent always wanted to answer for him. Oh yeah, he saved. Oh yeah, he believes in this and that. And I said, well, hold it. Let's ask him and see what he believes, you know? And I, I began to see that the parent didn't want to let the student answer the question. Interesting. Yeah. And so that happened quite a bit. So we met everyone from seventh grade to college to older men. I mean, we met everything on the face of the earth that you could meet in those 15 years. So at this point, this is where we're getting now into our ministry. So we're talking about tame ministry. Yes. Okay, so tell us about how that got started okay. and what what that all involves. Right. So about eight years ago, we're like, when we had to get, about eight years ago, I said, I want to start a nonprofit to get out there into the streets like we're doing. What do I want to name it? And I, right away, I thought of Ephesians 3.21, right at the end verse there. It says, give God glory by the church in Christ Jesus, throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. And I thought, that's what I wanted to be called, throughout all ages. Throughout all ages. Yes, in Ephesians. And that's what T-A-M means. Yes, throughout all ages ministry. Okay. So we had that for like uh, six or seven, eight years, uh, throughout all ages. And it wasn't but about two and a half years ago, I began to have a... I've only had three or four hard checks in my life when God uh, convicted my heart stronger than ever. And this was one of the one was get out of the church, you know, get out of that complacency. Yes, that was one of them. The, the next time this happened was two and a half years ago. And and God says, I need you to take it up a step. And I'm like, well, I'm going to go speak to the college and I'm comfortable there. I'm going to go speak to them. And uh, the conviction was, no, you need to hit the generation before they get into college. You know, seven out of 10 students that grown up in a Christian home are walking away from their faith their first year in college. Before they, so their first year in college, seven out of 10 are walking away from their faith. And I said, yeah, I do know that. He says, you need to hit those students. And I said, how? How am I going to hit those students, Lord? I, I used to try to bring apologetics into churches and that was tough to do unless you wanted to do a lot of traveling. To actually go into churches and say, hey, I got some apologetics here. I want to teach your students how to defend and justify themselves in, in what they believe in and what they believe in in God, how they believe in this world, some of the answers to philosophy. I wanted to give the students that, but it was really hard to get into churches because churches, you know, they, they, they tend to care for their flocks and they don't just let anyone in. Right. And when they do let you in, they'll let you come in, but then they, you don't see them for another year, sometimes two years. You might not ever see them again. I said, Lord, I don't want to be just seeing people, students and walking away for two or three years and seeing, maybe seeing them again. I said, I want something that I could relate to, but I don't want to be, I don't want it to be a church. 
and he knew why and that I didn't want to be a church. And, and uh, because I knew so many other people were going outside the church and weren't inside the church. And that's when he said, go into the high schools. You need them. The conviction was go into the high schools. I'm going, high schools? They don't even let you in to speak about the things of God in the high schools. How am I going to do that? So we earnestly prayed. And I was like, God, you got to give me a way to st- I don't want to just go in there and they kick me out in a year later because I'm teaching Christianity and they don't like it. And so I'm out, booted out. How can I do this? And as we begin to pray about it, we begin to get a plan together of how we can get into it, how we can find people who actually are in the public high schools already. We begin to find uh, church clubs uh, that have been in there for 20 or 30 years. These guys have been in the schools already, and they're giving students the gospel message. So as I saw that, I said, I can go in through that. I can go in as a guest speaker. So we begin to volunteer, me and my wife, to these groups. We begin to let them know who we were, talk to them, tell them our heart. I would go meet with them and speak with them. And I begin to tell them, I said, guys, I said, we're living in a different era. Uh, it's an intellectual era. Yeah, we give them the gospel. We have to give them the simplicity of the gospel. But intellectually, they got to know why they believe in what they believe in. Because yes. we know they're fallen. Seven out of ten, they don't have a justifiable answer. When they tell them, hey, your manuscripts have error in it. We, we know it has errors in your manuscripts because Bart Ehrman's told us already. So why do you trust those 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 manuscripts written by men? I'm going, they're all going, oh, I don't have an answer for that. I don't know why I trust those manuscripts. I thought there wasn't errors in it. Now you're telling me there's errors in it. So, you know, I get those students and I say, listen, guys, they're not called errors. They're called variants. And there's a reason. Because as we get more and more manuscripts, we can see the context is there. It's just one saying the Lord Jesus and the one saying Jesus is Lord. Same context. Just we call that a variant because it's in the manuscript. Yes, they wrote it that way, but it's not an error. And so when they understand that, they can lift their heads up now and say, oh, it's not an error. It's a variant. Big, big difference. So clarity of the scriptures. Yes. And, and painting that solid picture for them to get their teeth back into the Word again. Yes, yes. That's beautiful. And, and get down to the, to, to the nitty-gritty of the foundational part. When they find out, when I say, guys, how do you think we got morality, you know? And they look at me and I say, well, listen, if God created this universe and we're made in his image, God's nature and attribute didn't sit there like a parent. And when you went and did something wrong, he said, oh, we're going to change that. Now you have to act this way. And you did something wrong again. So now where I'm going to change this, that you have to do this now. It's not what he did. When he gave us the moral law, what God did is he said, my attribute, my nature is I don't lie. And because you're made in my image. I, you ought to not lie either. And so now this is an objective moral that I'm giving you. I don't steal. So you ought to not steal. I don't commit adultery on those I love. You don't commit adultery. And you can go right down the line on the Ten Commandments and see this is why God gives those Ten Commandments. They let the Decalogue is forever because that's who God's nature and attribute is. It wasn't arbitrarily just calling out what's good and what's bad. It was who he was. And when our students, you know, when the young student hears this, they go, oh. I didn't realize we have an answer for that. I said, yeah. Listen. You can see their eyes are going, ooh, I get to actually think about this oh stuff and ask questions gosh. out loud. Yeah, it's kind of exciting because... When- it is 
exciting. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't just stand. <laughs> I'm not putting up straw man. I'm saying, listen, guys, whatever I say, go look it up. Tell me that it's not there because I'm just giving you what you guys believe. If we're going to talk about atheists, I'm going to tell you what they believe. And, you know, even when we're talking about atheists, I'll tell them, you know, I'll tell them stuff like, do you realize that up until uh, 1942, all scientists believe that the universe was eternal? Uh-huh. So we're all looking for something eternal. And they didn't need our eternal God because they had this eternal universe. Right. But when Edward Hubble looked through that telescope and saw space stretching out, they realized the universe wasn't static, that it wasn't eternal, that it had a beginning point. Just like when you blow up a balloon and you blow it up and you see it stretching, if you reduce it, what are you going to see? That it had a starting point. So we agree with the scientists. Christianity agrees that time, space, and matter had a beginning point. They just say it came from a big bang, and we say it came from our God, our creator. And I say, and, and we begin to talk about that, but a lot of them don't uh, realize it wasn't just 80, it was just 80 years ago when they realized that this universe uh, had a starting point. Wow, that's so So good. for them to learn things like that, you know? Yes. When I tell them stuff like, you know, Jesus... When he walked upon this earth, he said, you cannot serve two masters. You will love one and hate the other. Many of you are going to try to hold on two worldviews. That's two masters. And you're going to try to hold on to two worldviews. What it's going to do, it's going to clash against each other. You're going to end up loving one and you're going to hate the other. Jesus was point on correct when he says you cannot serve two masters because there's inconsistencies. How are you going to be a Buddhist and believe in reincarnation when for Christianity says it's appointed for man once to die and And after that judgment, there's the clash. You have to decide what side you're going to stand on. There is no neutral ground when it comes to these worldviews. And when the students hear that, a lot of them for the first time, their minds are now clicking. They're going, oh, oh, that's why I can't decide to have three worldviews and live in all these worldviews. There's something inconsistent. It gives them answers that they can hang on to and share. Yes. Because now they have a belief system that's real. Yeah. Now, have you duplicated yourself so that you can go, other people are going into other schools? Right. You can't be hitting all the schools. Yeah, so the first thing we did is we found out in San Diego, that's where we're from, we're going to start there. We found out there's 250 <clears throat> high schools. Again, remember, our goal is not to miss one of them. Once right. we get into a school, we stay there for four years, and then we do it all over again. And then we do it all over again. So once we get to know the people... We become very, uh, uh, we become, uh, we get to know them very well and we don't ever want to leave because you've built a relationship, build a relationship where every four years, new students are coming. The other ones are leaving. We're hoping on our website throughout all ages ministry. If you look there, we have the top 30 questions that they'll be asked their first year in college. We try to get them to understand at least 10 of those 30 questions. Because what that does, if they understand that we have a justifiable answer for 10 of the 30 questions, when they go into college and they have a little bit of doubt, they're going to go, oh, holy, I had 10 good answers. There ought to be more answers out there. Instead of doubting, I'm going to think about this a little more. I'm going to go look up some answers for this, right? That's what I want them to do. I want them to start thinking about there are answers out there and we got them. You know, it's not like we don't have them. We have them. It's just the church doesn't have enough time to get into apologetics. And so even for me, one of the things is I go up to these um, club groups 
And they're used to giving the gospel for the last 40 or 50 years. That's all we did. We've always been into the high schools, and I don't complain about that. We've always given the gospel, and that's what we need to do. But now that we know that students are intellectually fallen from knowing the things of God, they walk away because the intellectual answer, and we got them. Now I'm coming up to the leaders and I say, guys, we have to look at this different now. You know, you keep on giving them the gospel, but I want to come in there and just give them intellectual answers to apologetics. Now, the word apologetics comes from 1 Peter 3.15. Always be ready to give an answer or defense. Uh And so in the Greek, that would be, I want to give you an apology. So when you hear someone give you an apology, usually we're like, that was an apology. He just defended himself, right? Right, right. But that's how it was back then. I want to give you a defense, an apology for why you think I've done that. Here's my apology. Here's my defense. Here's my answer. And that's what uh, 1 Peter 3.15 tells us to do. Always be ready to give an apology, to always to give an answer for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. So, Joe, how many schools is TAME in right now? Yeah. So what happens bef- uh, before this year, before the COVID and everything hit, um, we had spoken out of maybe 250 schools, we spoke over 180 times. Wow. But we've only had maybe 90 schools that we went into. We still had 250 altogether to get into. And our goal is once we hit all those schools, what we're going to do is once we're there, I want to find a, a, another passionate guy, go to Orange County and say, listen, this is your home now. This is your vineyard. You're going to go out here day after day and you're going to get into these schools, whatever it takes. You're going to get, you're not going to miss a school because where every high school, there's a community. And I want every high school student to know that Christianity has apologetics, that we have an answer for what we believe in. So when the culture changes and a new topic comes up, we're already answering the question to the next generation before they're getting into college rather than what we're waiting. So my goal is to hit all 50 states to be able to, if I can get apologetics in San Diego, I should be able to do it in all 50 states where we're answering the students before they get into college. One of the things we do in order to get into this is we've had a strategy and we say this to our um, mentors, our leaders, the directors who we go into as a guest speaker. Uh-huh. We tell them this, listen, everything we do, we come in for free. Our partners back us up. We get our partners to back us up and you guys don't pay for nothing. And what's nice about that is there's no paperwork. They don't have to sit there and say, well, let me ask the director, who the director for 40 years has never heard of apologetics. They've been doing gospels their whole life, right? This guy wants me to pay for apologetics. I don't got the money. No, that's okay. But we go in there and we say, listen, it's for free. We'll come in for free. They're like, oh, yeah, sign them up (laughs) right now. Get them in here in two weeks. And so that's what we love. So we do ask for our partners, financial partners who believe in this. There's not one parent. I mean, hardly one. I shouldn't say not one. But every parent I speak to has a son or daughter who's walked away from the faith their first year in college. They go to college and they see that and they don't know what happened. We spent 18 years teaching them about the things of God. And their first year, their demise is they're done with God, you know. Uh And so God will hound them back later on. But um To me, that's where I say, okay, if you believe in what we're doing, stand behind us and let us go in. 
and let's not charge them anything. I don't want to charge them anything. The more we don't charge them, the quicker I can get in and I can keep on coming in and doing wow. my rounds. Yeah. So that that's that's an awesome uh, thing that started. So now with COVID, and, and this might be the last part of it, now that with COVID in, I had to rearrange. So this is when my wife says, why don't you get on a local radio show so you can still speak to the students and to the parents? So she got me to get into a radio local host show in San Diego. So I speak every week on a, on a local radio show. They take that show that I do every week, once a week, and they put it on seven or eight different podcasts. So it just goes out to whoever now it goes out to the world. And I go, well, hey, you know, now that... God has me thinking again, right? Again, you have to think outside of the box again. How are we going to make this work? And I thought, you know, I know a guy who's in college right now who loves apologetics. I'm going to have him go through my videos and start working out worksheets for me. So I asked him, I said, I'll pay you. I want you to get worksheets. Listen to me. I'm paying you because you got to listen to me, first of all, (laughs) (laughs) for hours at a time, right? We're on we're on our eighth worksheet where we want to get a whole semester of worksheets. So not that we charge anyone much at all, but we small, charge a small price just so they'll keep on coming. And we want them to finish an apologetic course anywhere around the world where they can come and take 15 classes. And I send it out to them after they hear my podcast. They send it back to me. I I um, I grade it and send it back to them. And at the end of the year, especially if you're homeschooling, you can use this for credits mm-hmm. for for history. Oh, for you science. can. Yeah, you can use that for things like that. Because uh, we ended up homeschooling our kids, so we kind of got already kinda got us caught up on the influence of how to reach these uh, homeschoolers now. Because that's who we got to reach now. We everyone right. has now been transferred from public schools to homeschool and private schools. So now, starting January. It's our aim to go into all the uh, homeschooling uh, places and private schools and now do it the same way. So, yes, this is where wow. we're at. Yes. A little shift in how you're doing things, but giving out the same message. Yes. Wow. Now, I, I do want to ask you, um, you have some workbooks that I saw upstairs yes. and some videos. And is that what you're sending to the homeschoolers or... Yeah. So no. So what happens is I do have brochures and and I have some uh, worksheets that they can do. Yeah. Um, I'm actually I know the parents, the homeschoolers. They meet in houses. They meet in buildings. They meet at churches. They mm-hmm. meet in parks. They'll have mm-hmm. ten or fifteen kids. So my aim is this: give me ten kids, and I'll come out for free and give them apologetics, the top thirty questions that they're going to have to answer. And so that's what I'm doing with them: is I give them, I, I call them up, introduce myself, tell them what I want to do, and most of them, when they hear it, everyone, uh, when they hear it, they're like, "Oh yeah, perfect. That's that's what we need." And yeah. it is; it is what they need in the time of era that we live in. Our kids need to know apologetics when someone tells them. That why do you believe, you know, we're living in a day and age where now kids are growing up. They know nothing about Jesus Christ. They think right. he's a mythology God, just like the other 300 million gods that are out there. They don't see a significance when you say Jesus Christ. They just think of him as a mythology God. So you got to start from ground one and work your way up. Why do you believe in this God as as a maximum supreme being, you know? And so um, 
it's neat to do that though. I, 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 I love to see, I can see kids when I'm talking about, when I'm talking to a student who's an atheist or a Buddhist and we're talking about that subject or, uh, I can, or Mormon. And what's neat about it is I can see them looking at me like, Oh, what is he going to say? Is he going to be for me or is he going to be, is Christianity going to come out winning? And I can see them thinking that. And it's kind of neat. A lot of, a lot of these students will come and ask me questions after class. Hey, can I ask you a question? They'll come up and ask me certain questions. And, and, and the more I get to be there and, and relate to them, the better it's getting. Yeah. So, Joe, if someone hears this, because it it, this is going out to all the different podcasts, too. How do they get a hold of you and say to you, listen, I'd love to start this in my little town. Yeah. How do they get a hold of you? Right. So they just go to throughoutallagesministry.com or 15, you can put on Google search 1530 apologetics and it'll take you there. It'll take you there. And and so you'll be able to duplicate that by just handing over material or showing them what to do or. Yeah. So at this point, I wanted them to all, uh, I'm learning to myself and this is two and a half years in this ministry. COVID hit. And so what I'm willing to do now is to let them see what I'm doing. Uh, but I want to be a part of this where I, as soon as I get some financial support, I want to bring a gentleman in who's passionate about it. And he leads everyone else. He says, I'm the guy that, that that's going to get into these classrooms. And he starts directing it because then they'll lose focus. And my focus is not to miss any high school whatsoever. I want to hit every high school, whatever county he's in charge of. You don't miss a high school. We're trying to get into it. And you make sure your impulse is to get in there. Now, are the schools opening at all in in San Diego County? They are slowly, but it's right now it's a hit and miss because they sometimes they open up for two days or one day. So a lot of these uh, clubs that I went under, they're holding back too. They're they're now resorting to going to church events and stuff. Um, but I'm I'm actually that what I know of, I'm the first one that's saying I want to go to the homeschoolers. I know where they're at. I, I've dealt with them before. We grew up our kids in homeschooling. Mm-hmm. So it's my aim now, as God put a conviction in my heart, to go to define all these parents that have these students. Because some of them will take 15, 20 kids into a building to teach, you know, to teach English. Let me come in there for 15, 30 minutes and give them apologetics. And as they get acquainted with me and see what I'm trying to bring into their realm, um, I think they'll keep on inviting me in. So... Yeah. That's a beautiful, yeah. beautiful way to get to the kids. Now, this really warms my heart because um, this is my 23rd or 24th year that I'd be teaching release time education, which is um, going into the public schools. And we've been doing this for over 100 years mm-hmm. throughout the you know United States. And we're taking kids off campus into either a bus or a trailer which is set up like a little church, and we're giving them the gospel. But apologetics would be the next step because these kids that we're talking to are third, fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. (laughs) And we're taking them for the four years um, release, release time Christian education. And you can, you can Google that too. Um, release time Christian education and find the website for that. And just sharing the gospel with them. Our goal is to, you know, a lot of things, but teach them, lead them to Christ, teach them how to pray, 
and teach them how to get into the Word, okay. to, how to navigate through the Bible. Um, obviously, we're giving them Bible stories, making sure that they know that this is the it, this is the Word of God, right. and so they're not thinking it's fables. Right. But the next step is this. Yes. Yes. In junior high school and high school, and I would love to see you not just in high schools, but junior high, a team of people in every junior high school and high school, because we don't want these kids to. And, you know, most of the kids that I have in my class are unchurched. They've never gone to church. Some of them are being raised by their grandparents. If you can imagine um, grandparents that are a generation older than their own kids raising kids, because some of these kids' parents are drugged out, and they've had to be taken out of the home. And so so these are some of the kids that we have. And these grandparents are just happy to have them in some sort of a church environment is what they're signing up for. And what a wonderful thing to know that after they've had training for four years in elementary school, that they have something like this to look forward to in junior high and high school. Um, I would really like to pray that the Lord will expand that ministry, not just in San Diego, but all over the United States. Why don't you go ahead and pray for that? Mm -hmm. I think we have a few minutes to do that. Just pray for the expansion of all of these ministries, um, especially yours right now. Go ahead. Father God, Lord, we we just come before you, Lord, and we pray bowing our hearts to a sovereign God, Lord. We pray that you reach out first in our community and in outward, Lord, that the response would be that we want to glorify your name, Lord. We want to teach who you are, your character, your attributes, the historical account that you came down as a man into history to give us an account that we can look back to. We can look at archaeology. We can look at evidence of the things you said and did and wrote down, Lord, that we want to give it to your children. We want to give it to the children of the world, that they can see that there's light and darkness. And it wasn't a God who was impersonal, Mm -hmm. but a God that was very personal, that from the very moment that he created man, that they need to understand as children that he wanted an intimate relationship with every one of them, Lord. And so I pray that as we gather here, Lord, our vision, our quest, our hearts would be that we'd be motivated to take your word out, the simplicity of the gospel to the nations, to the cities, to the counties, to all the young children that are out there, Lord, that they can know that there's a name that they can call out to and that he's real and personal Mm -hmm. and that it would advance to the kingdom, to the elementary and the middle high school, Lord. Give us uh, labors for that, mm-hmm. passionate about what they believe in. So it's not just a history, it's not just a book story, but it's a historical account that the, that the children need to know, that the students need to know, that it's Thank not you, just any God, but it's one God and there is no other like the God that we know in Christianity. 
And then, Lord, we just pray that your purposes would be built up here first where we live and that it would continue to grow. Bring us men and women with a heart, Lord. We need administrators. We need the helps of gifts. We need people on board who has passionates for the word of God, Lord, to bring this forth. And that, Lord, that your work would be growing continually, that on the outside we see darkness, but in the inside we see light bursting forth from humankind out to you, Lord, towards you and your kingdom, Lord. Be with us this day. Yes, Lord. Amen. Thank you so much, Joe. And again, his ministry is called... Throughout all ages. And and you're also on radio on K-Praise. K-Praise Radio, 1210 AM. But you can go on the web and just put on K-Praise, K-P-R-A-I-S-E, K-Praise Radio. Thank you so much. I do want to speak to those that are out there that may not have accepted the Lord as your Savior. And all of this is tugging at your heart right now. And it's just a simple prayer. And you need to get into the Bible after you say the simple prayer and ask for God's leading. And if it's that you, if, if that's you out there that would like to accept Jesus as your Savior, I'd like to lead you today. And just follow me in this simple prayer. After that, you can write me on On the Road with Jesus or call Hope Radio here in Corona, California. And the prayer goes like this, Dear Jesus, come into my heart and forgive me of all the things of the past, present, and future. Father, I want to repent of those things of the past. Forgive me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me, Jesus. Thank you that on the third day you rose again. And on the 40th day, you went up to be with the Father and sent sent the Holy Spirit. Lord, I want to know you intimately. Help me with my walk with you. Be my Lord and Savior. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you've said that prayer, please notify us on the road with Jesus or Hope Radio, Corona, California. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you for being here today for On the Road with Jesus with your host, Rody Fisher. Every week, you'll hear experiences and testimonies from her and her friends as they share their journey with Jesus. You'll see that you're not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. If you have a question about today's show, email Rody Fisher at rawfisher at ontheroadwithjesus.com, spelled R-A-H-F-I-S-H-E-R at ontheroadwithjesus.com. Or leave a voicemail at 951-817-0094. That's 951-817-0094. On the Road with Jesus is sponsored by Global Expressions Language Project. Learn more at asquaredlamps.org. That's the letter A, squaredlamps.org. Be sure to join us each week at this same time for more On the Road with Jesus. Hosted by Rody Fisher. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.